All right, tonight, if you have your Bibles, we're studying out of the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, we've been studying a series of messages entitled, A Church Preparing or Prepared for the Second Coming. And we know that church at Thessalonica, Paul went on his second missionary journey, and he came to Thessalonica, preached there for three Sabbath days, and they basically ran him out of town, and then some. Uh, he finally just consented to go so that the gospel he had preached could take full effect and take root, and it did. And that church grew mightily. And Paul is longing to check on them, longing to find out has their faith continued to blossom and is there fruit. And, and he's excited to find out. He sends Timothy. Timothy comes back and says, I want to tell you they've got faith and they've got real love, Brother Paul. It's been a tremendous blessing. And uh, he reports back what's going on at the church of Thessalonica. They also have some questions. You know, uh, Paul in those three Sabbaths, no doubt he preached the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. He also told them that one day Jesus is coming. And in every chapter in 1 Thessalonians, Paul is mentioning the second coming to the church at, at Thessalonica. And they're excited about that. They're looking forward to the Lord Jesus Christ coming back. But in the meantime, while they're waiting in those days and hours, their loved ones that got saved are beginning to die off on this earth. And they're concerned that when Jesus comes back for all of us on earth and sets up his kingdom, what's going to happen to my loved one who passed away? What's going to happen? So Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 begins to address a church that is awaiting the Messiah's imminent return. And tonight we are a church just like, just like Thessalonica. We are awaiting the Messiah's imminent return. I believe the next thing on God's calendar is the rapture. I mean, think about it, folks. Two years ago, who could have predicted coronavirus? Last year, who would have predicted this year the possibility of a looming world war hanging over the earth's circumstances where we are. But the word of God has told us how things are going to wind up and end up and has challenged us to get right before Jesus comes back. And honey, I'm glad to say I've received the message, the invitation, and I have accepted and I asked him to save me and he's accepted me. Has he accepted you? Thank God for it. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, a text that's often read at a funeral, but tonight we're reading it for prayer meeting. Look at verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Father, will you help us to rightly divide the word tonight? 
open, Father, these, these precious verses from the Word of God to our hearts and help us, Lord, to see them and, and to grow from them. And Lord, I ask your help tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I want to preach on that thought. A church awaiting the Messiah's imminent return. Number one, in this text there is a stirring reminder. Paul in verse 13 gives the church at Thessalonica some wonderful words of comfort. Remember, they were confused. They were concerned about the deaths of their loved ones and what would happen to them if the Lord comes back to this earth, they're dead and gone. They'll not get in on the blessings of the Messiah's return and what would happen. Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Now, some people I read behind say, well, he's talking about lost people. Honey, in my opinion, he's writing to the brethren. Now, that is people that are born from the same womb, we, born through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's redeemed, the ransom, the church of the living God. He's writing to the church of the living God. Well, preacher Darren, why would they be ignorant then? Well, what this word means is to be uninformed. It means unknowing. Maybe, maybe they don't know everything they need to know. And he said, listen, I don't want you to be worried about these things. I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be not knowledgeable about some things going on. And so I want to take time to teach you. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now, I'm not talking about who I'm preaching to tonight. Y'all are supposed to be awake. Usually you don't go to sleep in the first five minutes. You go to sleep in the last five minutes, okay? So what does the word asleep mean to a Christian? It represents death to a Christian. It's not soul sleep. You remember in the book of Luke chapter 16, the, the parable that the Lord told, and I believe was probably real people, uh, that we had a rich man who died, and we had Lazarus the beggar who died, and the rich man went to hell, and Lazarus the beggar went to paradise, and the, the rich man, he was not soul sleeping. The Bible talks about him being in torment. And the, the, the poor man, uh, Lazarus the beggar, was comforted uh, by, the, by the Lord in, in that great gulf that he crossed over, amen, and the Lord took care of his needs. That's not soul sleep. They were very conscious of what was going on in the afterlife. Honey, for those of you who think you're going to burn up and it's over or you're going to leave here and it's over and you're going to have a party, you're wrong. We'll be conscious in the, in the next world, I promise you that. I think about Stephen. You remember that, that great man of God preaching the word? And as he did, they took stones and they began to throw at him. And the Bible, this is what he says in Acts 7 verse 60. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Hey, when he had said that, he fell asleep. See, it's a picture or a type, a symbol of death. What about Luke 8, 52? We have Jairus' daughter, and uh, she is dead. And the Lord walked in and he said, Weep not, for she is not dead, but sleepeth. Right? And the Lord put the unbelievers out, grabbed her by the hand, said, Talitha kumai, which being interpreted is made arise, and she sat up, amen, and she began to minister to them. What about John 11, where the Lord Jesus said, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Jesus spoke concerning his death. What about 2 Peter 3, 4? Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue 
as before. Listen, the word for asleep is a picture of death for the believer. Sleep, let's talk about it for a second. Sleep, sleep is rest. Yesterday I had a hard day. To be honest with you, Monday was a hard day. Tuesday was worse. And when I got home last night, I was absolutely, teetotally exhausted. Say amen if you agree. If you ever had some of those days. And I needed rest. I sat down in my chair. I went to sleep sitting in the chair. And as soon as I woke up from that, I walked, I walked, to, the, walked to the bed and prayed. And I was down. I don't even know if my prayer was much good last night because I was so tired. I went right to bed. And so sleep, I went to sleep. It's a type or a picture of rest. When a believer dies, they enter, in, they enter into rest. Also known as sleep. The body went to the grave but the soul went to heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But sleep also speaks of an awakening. This morning, I woke. And when I woke up, I was refreshed. I was revived. Where did all the hours go that I went to sleep? Where did my exhaustion and tired? Sometimes I've, I've woke up in the morning as tired than I went to bed. You ever done that, Amen. And you dreamed that somebody was chasing you all night and you feel like you've ran all night long? Say amen right there, Miss Gina. But anyway, believers, believers who die are at rest with the Lord, but one day their bodies will awaken from the grave and their soul will be reunited. And up from the grave they will arise just as our Savior arose. Amen. Paul gives them Words of comfort. Don't want you to be ignorant concerning them that are asleep already. He gives them words of confidence. Keep reading verse 13. That you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Again, they were worried that their loved ones who died would miss the coming of the Lord. They felt as if their hope was buried with them in the grave. Well, now, Pastor, now that's not fair to say. We've got death in our home, and we're going through a trial right now, and you have no idea. So do not belittle my trial. This is major what we're experiencing, okay? I'll not belittle your trial, but don't belittle God's hope. God's hope can meet you in places that you have no idea how much he'll help you. Look what he says in verse 14. For if we believe, that Jesus died and rose again. Here is a conditional sentence, if. It could also be said, since. Let's, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Though you sorrow because your loved one has died, do not sorrow as someone who is lost and an unbeliever do not sorrow as others which have no hope. Just as much as Jesus rose from death, are you saved? Say amen. amen. If you're saved, that means that you believe that Jesus died for your sins. That means that you believe that Jesus was buried. That means that you believe that Jesus arose on the first day of the week. If you believe that Jesus Christ arose from the grave, just as much as Jesus arose, he's going to take our loved ones and raise them, hallelujah, amen, from the grave. I get excited about that. I want to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
This is beautiful right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Again, you're talking about a church that's having a hard time with what's happening to our loved ones who've died. They're going to miss the glorious return of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, look with me in verse number 20. Well, I might read verse 19. Verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ. See that? You, in other words, if you have to be alive to have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. There's that word sleep again. Of them that slept. Christ the first fruits. You remember the offerings? They would have a first fruit offering. The first fruit was offered before God to be holy and acceptable in His sight. And if that is received, then the harvest is still to come. Jesus, hallelujah, is the first fruits of them that slept. And if He's acceptable, and He is, if He's acceptable in the sight of God, there is a harvest of Christians and believers who are still yet to be raised. Look in verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Hey man, praise God for it. He continues, go back to our text in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. He continues to give these words of comfort in verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. In other words, I'm not giving you my opinion. I don't want to hear a preacher stand up and give me his idea. I don't want to hear a preacher get up and give me his opinion. Man's opinions are worthless to me. I want to hear what God has to say. And he says, I'm giving you this by the word of the Lord. This is my, not my idea. This is not my theology or my opinion. This is the word of God. I'm pulling scriptural authority to tell you that this doctrine, this teaching is the word of God. And it is. Oh, preacher, can you prove it? Didn't Jesus say, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that ye may be where I am. Hey, man! And whether I go, you know, and the way, you know. Who said that? Jesus did. Paul said, I'm not teaching something to you that Jesus didn't say himself. Amen? So there it is. He says... That we which are alive and remain. In other words, we've talked about those that are, have died in Christ. I had a preacher friend of mine. I thought he had false teaching. He came and said that his church would be the first ones to go to heaven. And I said, what's the name of your church? And he told me. It was a Baptist church. And I said, well, where are you getting that from? He said, the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. And I thought, well, that's pretty good. Amen. <laughs> he didn't say a lot about his church, but he said he's going to outstrip us all and go on. Amen. Well, it might be if some of us go pretty early too, amen. But uh, I got to thinking about the living at the rapture. Watch, watch this verse. Look very closely. We which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord. If you're alive, when the Lord comes, 
What he's saying is you will not prevent. That means precede. You will not precede them. In other words, you will not take precedence over the dead when the Lord comes. You're not going to be shown favoritism when the Lord comes because you made it. You're still alive. Some people believe that. Oh, I got to live till he comes. That's, that's a blessing. But you don't get favoritism that way, amen. The Lord says, I'm going to raise them up first. Well, that's not fair either. Well, they've got to get six foot up to where we are. Amen? So they're coming up first, and somehow I think we're going to come right with them. I believe it'll be even Stevens. Amen? When we get there. I believe that. So don't think you're going to take precedence because you make it. My daddy told me. He said, son, I always believed I'd see the rapture in my lifetime, and I may yet. Listen, I may not finish the message tonight. The Lord may come and take me uh, through death or he may come and take me through the rapture. I have no idea. But my daddy said, son, I thought I'd live and I prayed to go through the rapture. Been a few chemistry tests. I prayed to see the rapture before I took the kid. Say amen right there. And so um, my, my dad said, but son, I, I've decided that if the Lord wants me to die, that'd be all right too. I said, daddy, you don't mean it. He said, son, there's just something around about them saints of God that I've gathered with and dying grace, I've seen God put all over them. And if God wants me to experience dying grace, I don't want to miss any of the grace God has for me. That's a pretty good idea, amen? I don't want to miss any of the grace God has for me. So in other words, you're not going to gain advantage on someone who's already died, and they're not going to gain advantage on you that's still alive. That's what Paul's saying, okay? So number one, there is a stirring reminder. Number two. There is the Savior's return. Let's look at his presentation, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Who's coming? The Lord. Jesus Christ. He's coming himself. He's not sending a representative. He's not sending an ambassador. He's not sending an emissary. He is coming himself. I guess he is. He died himself, took my sins upon himself. He was buried himself, and he arose himself. Amen. Glory to God for the victory that there is in Jesus Christ. And if he's done all that by himself, honey, there's coming the day when the Father says, Son, go get your bride. Amen. You know how the Jews are. When the, when the Son gets engaged, and he goes back to the father's house, and he adds on to the father's house all that is needed for his bride. When he finishes that, the father inspects it and says, Son, you can go get your bride. And the son's going to step out himself <laughs> with a shout. Hallelujah to God. I'm getting excited. It's going to be Jesus himself coming for his bride. Ooh, do you remember? Uh, there in Acts chapter 1, how that they were standing there. He was uh, raised from the dead, been 40 days, speaking with them there on the top of, of the mountain. And all of a sudden, he just began to ascend before their very eyes into heaven. And all of his disciples stood there watching him. And they saw two men, didn't say angels, two men in white. And they said, this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. 
The same Jesus that you saw go into heaven will be the same Jesus that comes back one day. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to see the same Jesus they saw up there on the hill that day, amen. That this same Jesus is coming to get you and me. What a blessing. The one who bore my sin. The one who bore my shame. The one who bled and died for me. The one who endured the cross. The one that they buried. The one that they spat upon. The one that rose again. This same Jesus is going to descend into the clouds and call home the redeemed, his bride. Whoo, what a presentation. Listen to his proclamation. When, when he steps out, he's going to descend from heaven with a shout. Oh, preacher Darren, a shout. When the Lord returns, he's going to shout. Now, some of you, you don't like shouting. Well, you may in your home but you don't like it at church. Say amen right there. You said this. No, you said There's a lot of shouting goes on at your house, according to the youngins. Amen. But uh, we ought to be shouting in the house of the Lord his praises. I got to thinking about what happens when the Lord shouts. Has Jesus ever shouted? Has Jesus ever given a loud summons? Has Jesus ever given a, a loud cry? Well, I'm thinking about when Lazarus, who was asleep, and he said, he's dead, but I'm going to go there. And he was four days late. And he got there and he said, take you away the stone. They said, Lord, he stinketh because he's been dead four days. He said, take away the stone. And he said, with a loud voice. I looked it up, John 11, 43. He said, with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound head and foot. And the Lord said, loose him. Take the grave clothes off of him. Let him go. When Jesus shouted, the dead arose. That's why he called him Lazarus by name. If he had just said, come forth, that all got up. But he's just calling back Lazarus. And Lazarus got up. I got to reading there in Matthew 27 at the end of the chapter, verse 50. Jesus was on Calvary just before he died. He cried with a loud voice just before he yielded up the ghost. Hey, when he did with a loud voice, graves were opened. Yes, they did. And many of the saints that slept arose. They were seen walking. Hey, I went to your funeral. <laughs> hey, that's what happens when Jesus shouts, Lazarus and the saints get up. And bless God, I have an announcement. Now, the Father has said, Son, go get your bride. And he descends from heaven with a shout. And when he does, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which, glory to God, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Resurrection, praise God for it. I want to read John 5, verse 25. John 5, verse 25. Look at this text. Just want to read this one verse. There's more all around it. It's so good. John 5, 25. We're talking about the Savior's proclamation when he shouts. John 5, 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. 
I know that one night on July 13, 1978, I was dead in trespass and in sins. And that man of God stood behind the sacred desk and took the inspired word of God and began to preach. And the Holy Ghost pricked my heart and said, Sit up, bub, and listen to what he's got to say. And that night I called on Jesus. I heard the voice of the Son of God knocking on my heart's door, and he saved me. Amen. And there's coming a day that when he shouts, the dead in Christ in our graveyards are going to rise out of the grave. Amen. Well, preacher dear, what about somebody that was cremated? He knows where their ashes are. Preacher dear, what about somebody that was put down in the sea and they're buried in a submarine right now? He knows right where they are. Honey, there's not one speck of dust from any one of our bodies that he don't know where it is. Amen. A proclamation. Well, what about the sound? He says the, the, the voice of the archangel. That, that's got the idea of the commander or the master, the captain of a ship saying to those that are rowing, row, row, giving them command. He's telling them to arise, my love, telling us it's time for us to lose our gravitational pull and be called into the skies. Praise God. Read on. It goes on. He says, with the trump of God. What about this? Not just a shout and a sound, but the summons. There are times when the trump is blown and it's unusual when it happens. I looked it up today. You know the first time the word, the trumpet is blown? You know when it's used? In Exodus 19. And the Lord was on Mount Sinai and they were gathered around it. And they sounded the trump. And what happened was the Lord descended. That sounds familiar. On the third day. And the people came up. And they met him. And what was he doing? He was sounding the trumpet to call an assembly. Hey, church, when the trump sounds, he's calling the assembly. When the trump sounds, it's also a sign of victory. When we are called home, victory! <laughs> Woo! It's also sounded to declare war. Judgment is getting ready to fall upon this earth just as soon as you and I and the saints of God in their graves are called out of here, judgment is going to fall upon this old world. Hey, I thought about the trumpet for departure. I was reading out of Numbers chapter 10. When it's time for them to pull up stakes and leave, Moses said, sound the trumpet. Pull up stakes and depart. Aren't we going to depart one day? Goodbye, world. Goodbye. I was, listen, don't drive your pit, tent pegs too, too deep here. You're not a citizen of this world, amen. You, you may have a physical body, but you're a pilgrim and a stranger. You're simply passing through. Amen. Praise God for it. i got to move on. Thirdly, and I'll be done. There is the sovereign removal. Now again, verse 16. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. So I think this is going to be fourth, a momentous return, as we mentioned Jesus is going to return. And when he does, he's returning in the clouds, returning in the sky. And the next, listen, this initiates the end times for certain. The judgment of God is ready to fall. Amazing. 16b. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. We're talking about the miraculous resurrection. 
the dead in Christ are going to hear his voice and they're going to arise up out of their graves. Glory to God for that. The bodies that's been buried are going to be resurrected. They're going to be transformed. I had a young man one time, he said, Preacher Darren, he said, um, he just surrendered to preach in the last month or so. And he came, he said, Preacher Darren, sometime back, I kept having this dream. And in my dream, you and I were walking through the graveyard. I said, that's terrible. He said, no, listen to me. We were walking through the graveyard and I, I'd see a, a, a hole opened up or a hole opened up and, and I said, Preacher Darren, why are there so few of these graves that are burst open? And he said, son, it's because you wouldn't preach to them. I was his pastor at the time. It's because you wouldn't preach to them. He said, that's when I decided I'd get right with God and start preaching the gospel because I want to see more graves burst and open. Amen. It is our responsibility to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation that he can offer. It is our job to make sure that these graves are going to be burst and open. Amen. Let's win all we can. Let's pray for all we can. Let's invest as much as we can and bring the word of God to them and let the Holy Ghost have his way. Amen. The body that was sown in corruption is raised in incorruption. The body that was sown in mortality is raised in immortality. The body that was sown in dishonor is going to be raised in honor. Hallelujah for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just for himself, but for his people that have trusted him. I've got a little brother. His birthday was this week. His picture stays on my desk while I study. I look at him from time to time. And when I get, I get tired and I get discouraged, I look at him and say, man, I long to see you, but I got to keep on the firing line while I'm here. I got to keep preaching. I got to keep praying. I got to keep studying. I got to keep seeking the face of the Lord. And, and one day, son, me and you are going to have an old-timey uh, hug, hug match. We're going to squeeze each other. We're going to shout and praise God forever. Uh, hear me? We went from his funeral to a graveyard and we buried his body. That was a little fellow that bit me in the back. That was a little fellow that swung a baseball bat at my head. That's a little fellow, amen, that I grew up loving. And when I had to walk away from that graveyard that day, even as a preacher, was the hardest thing I've ever done. Because that was the body. That's my brother. And I've got to walk away in faith to know, son, this ain't the end. I'm going to see you again. And when I see you again, oh, you're going to look a lot like you look now, but you're going to look even better. Because all the defects will be gone and you, you're going to be raised with a glorified body. <laughs> One that time has no hold on. One that sin and death cannot touch anymore. One that Satan cannot try to manipulate. Death has no longer a hold on the saints of God that have been resurrected. Can I get a witness right there? And I thank God for it, amen. Verse 17, there's gonna be a mysterious rapture. Look, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. What about that? Together with them. The word is caught up. My word Rapture. Well, preacher, and I don't believe in rapture. 
I, my, one time years ago, my uh, was getting our taxes ready. I'm not good at doing that stuff. I can get everything ready. And I told Miss Jen, I said, take my taxes to the, to the accountant fella and let him do our taxes. And when she gave them to him, she talked to him for a second. When I came home, I said, you get our taxes dropped off? She said, here they are. I said, I thought you was going to see the man. She goes, oh, no, you can talk to him. I said, what? She said, you go talk to him. Oh, okay, I don't understand. She said, he just had some real questions. And I started to put them in his hand, and I pulled them back. She, I said, well, maybe we get a new tax man. She said, no, you need to go talk to him. I took, on the weekend, I took the taxes down there and handed them to him. He said, so you're a preacher, are you? I said, yes, I am. He said, well, I got a question for, me, for you. The Bible says, two shall be in the field. One shall be taken, the other shall be left. Which one do you want to be? I said, I want to be the one taken. He said, oh, that's bad doctrine. He said, I want to be the one left. I said, I got good news for you. You will be. He said, the word rapture is not in the Bible. I said, you're right, but neither is the word grandpa. But I'm sure I got one. I had two. And I believe in him. Amen. And I want to tell you something. One of these days, I may be one myself. God got a grand young and on the way right now. And I'm excited, amen. If that's God's will, praise God for it. But as much, as much, as much as I believe anything, the word harpazo is our Greek word. It means caught up. It means taken away. It means snatched, taken by force. Hey, they, some of you, you just finished paying your car off. You're looking to enjoy it. Your house is almost paid for. Just a few more payments and, and you'll, be, you'll be set for retirement. Your house is paid off and the Lord comes back and you're going to be raptured feet first because you're still trying to hold on. Honey, he's going to take you by force. If you've been redeemed, he's going to take us home, amen. He's going to catch us. He's going to snatch us away. I don't plan on being the one left behind. I plan on being taken with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and spend eternity with him. You know what? I, I, just, I want to take time out in a second. I, I do want to give you a little thought. I would just for a second, after the rapture takes place and we're home in heaven, just for a second, wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall and just hear what CNN and ABC and NBC and CBS and even Fox for that matter, wouldn't you like to hear what all them's got to say about millions of people are gone? All the babies that were born today, all gone. Just diapers laying here. No baby in them. We had pregnant mothers all over the place. They summoned them here, but a bunch of them's gone. We got people screaming. We got airplanes dropping out of the sky because the pilot was saved. We got all, we got buses crashing, subway systems are shut down. We, people's not reporting for work. We, I mean, what in the world? What are we going to do? Wouldn't you like to hear their explanation for that? But the Antichrist will have one. He'll say, I put them in a concentration camp. I got rid of all them troublemakers and we're not going to ever see them again. There'll be no film. They're gone. Good riddance. And the world will say, hip, hip, hooray for the Antichrist. Dear God. And immediately I'm going to say, thank God I'm not here. Thank God for the rapture. Thank God for Jesus' blood. Thank God for a place called glory. Amen. I don't have to worry about such things. 
Have you ever stopped to think about the chaos and the confusion that'll be? Lord, if you think about it for a second, you ought to get burdened for your family that's going to be left here. If you consider all the problems and the mayhem that's going to take place, we ought to be more concerned. Listen, we ought to be more concerned than we are. Paul, by the end of this chapter, really drives that thought home to Thessalonica. Hey, y'all are doing good, you got faith. Y'all are doing good, you got love. But I'm telling you, you need to encourage one another to do more because Jesus is coming. Well, there's a mysterious rapture where we're caught up together. I mean, the Bible says in a moment, in the, bat your eyes real quick. That quick, the twinkling of an eye before you can even bat it all the way. The twinkling of an eye, how quick can you see? Woo, boom, gone, you're in heaven. How long does it take to get from here to Marion? 30 minutes. How long does it take to get here from Birdsville? 20 minutes. How long does it take for you to get from, from here down, down to the beach you like to go to or, or out to the ski country that you like to go to? Honey, I'm going an unfathomable amount of time in the twinkling of an eye. Hey, man, my trip has been booked. Jesus Christ has reserved my place and I'm on my way. Praise God, I'm on my way. And if the preachers don't go and the deacons don't go and the Sunday school members, don't bother me. I'm on my way. Praise God, I'm on my way. Well, there's a marvelous reunion. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. What a reunion. Now think about it. There's probably somebody here tonight. Mama, Daddy, y'all lost a baby, a child. Maybe one in the womb. Maybe it was three, 16 years old, however old it was. You've lost a grandchild or a grand youngin. Those things, according to the way we think about it, should never have to happen. It ought to mean my children and my grandchildren that bury me, not me burying them. But one day, there's going to be a reunion <laughs> of those mamas who trusted Christ and those daddies who trusted Christ who lost their babies. There's going to be a reunion. And it's going to be precious. There's going to be husbands who've lost wives here you have been on this earth for all these days, lonely, longing. I remember going to see Preacher Casty when his wife died. He was just looking up into heaven, took his hat off over his heart. He said, Preacher, don't ever preach the lie. I said, well, lie? What, Preacher, if you preach lie, he said, I preached one. He said, I always said to the family member that was left, the husband or the wife that's left, half of you's gone and half of you's here. He said, don't believe it. He said, my conversation's in heaven. I'm just a shell of who I once was. But I got good news for you fellows that are widowers. One day, when you see her, and there's a reunion because of Jesus, you'll shout on the hilltops of glory, and you'll, I'll get to walk by and see you hugging on them, and them hugging on you, and you'll be, woo! It was worth it all, amen. It was worth it all.
forever wife that's ever lost her husband. She's a widow now. She's struggling to get this done. Can't get the garbage carried out by nobody. Don't know how to fix anything. There's been such a struggle. You've lived all these years alone. But honey, I'm telling you, when Jesus comes back because you're saved and because he was saved, there's going to be a reunion, amen, of that wife, of that husband. And when I go running by, I'll see you all embraced. And it's going to be worth it all, amen. And mamas and daddies and husbands and wives and grandmas and grandpas are reunited. What a day. I'm telling you, there's some preachers I want to look up to. Ain't my family, but they're my brothers in Christ. Amen. And I've got Brother Percy. I can't wait to see him, to thank him for preaching to me. What a blessing. I'm telling you, maybe that church didn't want him there. Maybe people treated him ugly. But he got out faithfully to preach and to pray and see God's face that I might hear the gospel when people were bored and didn't want to hear it. He preached anyway. Thank you, Brother Percy, for preaching the Word of God. I want to thank you personally one day. Amen. Heaven's going to be a great big reunion. It will be the largest family reunion of all ages. We don't have many family reunions in my family, but we had one one time on a Saturday. I'm glad it was on a Saturday. That's a good day to have it because we can still go to church on Sunday. And I went over there to see them, and I seen Uncle this and Aunt that and Cousin this and and cousin that and, and cousin it. I mean, I saw them all, right? And, and, and then we got in the car to, I was with them for hours. We got in the car to come home. And, and I said, well, I didn't see so-and-so. And, and Gina said, well, I saw them. I talked to them. Well, I, you know, I, well, we was there all afternoon and I still didn't see them. But honey, one day, we're going to have the largest family reunion ever. And we're going to have plenty of time to sit down and to enjoy one another's company. Amen. And there'll not be stress. There'll not be pressure. There'll not be drama. There'll not be sin. There'll not be storms. There'll not be Satan. Glory to God for such a moment. It'll be the largest and the longest and might I say the loudest and the loveliest family reunion that's ever been before. And most importantly, the one I want to see the most is the one who died for me by the name of Jesus. I can't wait to get at his feet and to wipe his feet and to kiss his feet. The one who... Woo, the one who died for me, the one who took upon himself my sin, my ugliness, my wretchedness, Lord God. I'm going to get to see him one day. What a blessing it'll be to spend all of eternity and thank him for his suffering and thank him for his, how he had to humble himself. I'm going to get to praise him forever and ever and ever. And we're going to sing together, y'all. And I'm telling you, sometimes the Edwards family or maybe different groups come by to sing and they'll sing a song and sing another one and then we'll say, hey, I got a request and then they'll sing another one and we'll say, hey, can you go back and sing that other one again? When we get to heaven, honey, there's going to be one song, a song of the Lamb, a song of the redeemed singing, worthy is the Lamb. And when we finish the last stanza, somebody's going to say, let's sing it again, amen. And we're going to sing it while eternity rolls on, amen. We'll praise the perfect Lamb forever and ever. And honey, I just examined myself. If you think the preacher's long-winded, if you think the song service is long, and you get bored in church and you don't like to come, you might wonder and question if you're really going. Because when we get there, it's going to be one long worship service forever and ever and ever. Are you sure you're going? I love to worship. 
I can't wait till he, till he takes some, some texts and explains some things a little further to me. Well, you say, Preacher Darren, it won't matter. It will to me. Amen. Because I've got some things I want to know. Bless his holy name. Look with me in verse 18. I'll be done. I can tell you're tired. Look with me in verse 18. He says, wherefore, comfort. That means to encourage, to, to lift up. Comfort one another with these words. No doubt many in Thessalonica that were confused and people that were under stress or pressure, people pointing fingers at them and saying you got wrong doctrines. Don't you know that Paul's preaching here was comfort to them? Don't you know it gave them great assurance? Amen. Uh, Brother Larry, I remember years ago we had gone, I think we was over at uh, Harold and Mary's, and we was going to put a roof on their house. There's a bunch of the men out there to work. We don't do much of that anymore because just can't, you can't do that anymore nowadays. But we was out there to try to do that. And I remember we finished, and I was, I was down like this, trying to pick up nails that was all over her yard and in her driveway so that they wouldn't have a flat tire or them to get out and step on a, a, a roof of nail and it go up through their shoe and hurt them. And, I, and, and, and one of the men folk took off and said, Preacher, get up. What are you doing? I said, I'm getting these. No, just get up, Preacher Darren. I said, no, I'm afraid they're going to get hurt. They said, just get up. You're in our way. And they had this big magnet. And they went walking by where I just was. And I'm sure when I was picking up, I was missing stuff. Don't you know I was missing stuff? But when they went over where I just was with that magnet, all these nails just jumped. You see, the nails and that magnet has some things that are alike. And, uh, uh, right, some characteristics. And because that magnet's so strong, they just lose their pull to the ground. And boom, one of these days, Jesus, our magnet, is going to step out on the clouds of glory with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And just like a magnet, these bunch of old nails is going to lose our gravitational pull. And boom, we're going to be home to be with the Lord forevermore. And what a comfort these verses has been down through the years. Been a blessing to my soul. And I thank God for these verses. I thought about Dr. R.G. Lee who pastored the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis. And he asked his mama, he said, Mama, what's the happiest day of your life? Bless you. What's the happiest day of your life, Brother Tony? What's the happiest day of your life, Brother Doug? Brother Tyler, what's the happiest day of your life so far? What, I mean, what, what would be your answer? Now, what's the second happiest? What's the third happiest? He asked his mama, Mom, what's the happiest day of your life? She said, that's easy. She said, I'll never forget the day. She said, uh, son, my daddy, your grandpa, had gone off to fight in the Civil War. And he was gone for months and weeks and days on end. And we didn't hear anything from him. And finally there came a knock on our door said we need to inform you that your husband your daddy has been killed in service to our country fighting this war and she said my mama lost it a young mother widow and R.G.'s mother said I did all I could do to encourage my mother said we, we tried to keep her working in the garden we tried to keep her putting up things in the in the freezer we, we just tried to keep our mind off of it and she said one day we was out stringing beans y'all never done that before have you around here 
we had she had said we were sitting there and had a newspaper in our lap and breaking them the string them and break them and break them and break them and got a whole lap full you know you throw the throw the strings away and you keep the good beans and you put over here in the dish and said she's sitting there with all that mess in her lap and she's looking on the across the field the cotton patch and she said Elizabeth you see that man walking down the road down there he looks a lot like your daddy she said mama now you know that's just wishful thinking you you, you know, Mama, that what that man told us, that Daddy had been killed in the war, you know. She says, well, honey, I know. She says, you're going to see him in every shadow. Everybody that walks by, you're going to think it's him, Mama. Just, just It's going to be okay, Mama. Just put your head down. Get back to work. Get your mind off of it. She kept watching him. And he turned not to where the road was, but he started walking across the cotton patch. And she said, Elizabeth, I do declare that man looks like your daddy. Elizabeth, that man walks like your daddy. I do declare, Elizabeth, that is your daddy. And she throwed the beans up in the air, all the good ones and the strings, and took off across the other end of the cotton patch. And when she got there, that was her husband that had misidentified his body. And he said, and when they walked back up to the house, she said, the happiest day of my life was when I found out my daddy that I thought was dead was still alive. I just have an announcement. All these people that's raised you and been involved in your life, you think they did, but I have an announcement. In Christ, they're very much alive. And one of these days, it won't be in the cotton patch. <laughs> but one of these days on the hilltops of glory, you're going to see your loved ones and the happiest day of your life is going to be the day that you get to see Jesus and your loved ones for all of eternity, never, never to say goodbye again. I remember the many times from grandma and grandpa and we'd go visit them for the weekend and we'd y'all got a similar experience and we'd go to see them and at the end of the weekend, we'd hug them and tell them bye and we'd get in the car and they'd walk out and they'd stand there and they'd wave at us. We had to back down that driveway and pull off to our busy lives and them just stand there waving. It's breaking their heart. Oh, how they prayed for us, breaking their heart to say goodbye. One of these days, youngins, we will never, ever have to say goodbye again. And I thank God for it. It's all because of Jesus and his wonderful plan. We're a church that is awaiting the Messiah's imminent return, honey. And it's going to be worth it after all. You stand to your feet tonight. Oh, if you're under the sound of my voice, and you don't know Jesus. You're in this sanctuary. And you're watching online. I don't know where you are. But if you've never been saved, I challenge you, you need to be saved now. I'm telling you, the rapture is going to take place. It could take place tonight. If you see what's happening on happening in Europe and in Asia, then right now that ought to be an alarm to you. There was an earthquake today, a 7.3 on the Richter scale. Hey, when you see earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars, honey, you better know Jesus is coming. You better know. You better make sure you're ready.
And if you've got a loved one, man, you ought to hit the altar and say, oh God, would you send a preacher? Would you send the word? Would you send a witness? God, would you convict them? Would you deal with them one more time, God? Because time and eternity's gonna be too late. Lord, they need to be saved now. And Lord, I believe you could speak to them now. God, would you cause them to hear the voice of the Son of God? Would you cause them to hear the knocking on their heart's door? Lord, I'm asking you, would you do it now? If you're watching at home and you need to be saved, you ought to get on your knees right now and say, Lord, tell him you're a sinner. Tell him you know you're a sinner. You've lied, you've cussed, you've stole. Tell him, say, Lord, I'm a sinner and you know it. Would you forgive me? Would you wash me in your blood? I believe you're alive. You've been knocking on my heart's door. And Lord, I want you to come in and will you save me? Will you forgive me? Will you save me? Let me live for you. Let me see my loved ones again. Let me go to heaven. I'm unworthy. I'm undeserving. But God, would you let me go? Maybe there's somebody here and you got a loved one. I'm going to pray right now. Preacher, I got a girl. I got a boy. Uh, they say they are, but I don't know. Uh, preacher, I, I got family members. I'm certain they need to be saved. I got a mom. I got a grandpa. Preacher, would you pray? Let's pray right now. Oh, God, on bended knee with bow heart. God, tonight, burdened to death, Lord, I pray that, God, you'd save that sinner that's nearest hell. You'd rescue them, God. You'd lift them, God. You'd help them, God. Convict them one more time, God. Help them, Father, to get in a place where they could place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, that they might be saved. God, we'll praise you for all of eternity. And, Lord, I'm not asking you to do it for my sake or for the church's sake. Father, I'm asking you, would you do it for Jesus' sake? Would you look over there at the blood on the mercy seat? Do you remember the pain, the suffering, the agony? God, would you convict them one more time in mercy? God, would you extend your grace to them? God, would you save them before it's everlasting too late? God, help us to be faithful to pray. God, help us to be faithful to thank you and to praise your holy name. Thank you, God, for saving us from the devil's hell. God, thank you for saving our family members. God, I ask your blessing tonight, God. Thank you for your plan. Thank you for your purpose. Thank you for the precious words of God that have encouraged our hearts tonight, Lord. God, we're looking. Jesus is coming back. God, I pray you'd help us, Lord, to be prepared for the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I pray not one drop of the blood of our family members, God, would perish and go to hell. Oh, God, we're worthy to go to hell. We're deserving to go to hell. But God, in mercy, would you save us through Jesus' blood. God, would you help us, God. I pray and ask these favors in Jesus' name. Oh, God, I pray for this church, God. God, there's lost people round about, God. Would you help us to be faithful to pray, faithful to preach, faithful to prepare, faithful, God, to live a life before them, God, that be pleasing to you. Save them, God, I pray, before it's too late in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.